There's a simple exercise often used with audiences to emphasize the importance of relationships. But before we get to that exercise, I want to talk about how I want to talk about our faith. You see, oftentimes in our faith, our walk with Jesus, our belief in God, we limit it to what we know and how well we know it. You've heard Tracy and I talk about this before with the rich young ruler when he comes and meets with Jesus, and Jesus basically tells him it's not what you know, but how you are aligning your life with what you know. Or Jesus would even go on to say it's not what you know, but who you know. One thing that we've talked about in our youth group, we've, we've talked about this concept, though, is that you can know everything about a person and not actually know the person. See, I can know everything about Brad Pitt. I can know everything about Adolf Hitler, but I don't actually know these men. I don't know them. I've never experienced life with them. I'm not in their mind. Ultimately, in our faith, we want to know Jesus. We want to come closer to Jesus. We want to walk in his footsteps. We want to model our life after his. But many people in their faith don't start with Jesus, and that's okay. I didn't start with Jesus. I started with his followers. So here's the exercise. It's, it's an extremely simple exercise, so simple you don't need to write anything down. You can do it all in your head. I want you for a moment, and I'll give you a moment to think. I want you to think of the top five sermons, lectures, Bible classes, YouTube videos, books that have had the largest impact on your life. Top five. Go ahead, think about those for a moment. So if you're anything like me, you had a difficult time. Sure, I can think of maybe one or two. I can think of maybe a book or a YouTube video, but if it's in the top list, I'm not sure. I can catch maybe little glimpses, a sentence here or there, but to capture it in its entirety, I struggle. So now part two of the exercise. I want you to think of the top five people who have had the largest impact on your life. likelihood is, is that you found that much easier, and you didn't even need as much time. Here's my point. Relationships, they matter. They, have, they matter in our life generally, but I want to argue that they have an enormous impact on our faith. You see, I can't tell you the first sermons that I ever heard. I can't even tell you the first sermons I ever presented. I can't tell you the first questions I had when I first started believing in Jesus. I can't even tell you the first book I read or story I heard about in our Bible. I can't tell you those things. But what I can tell you about is a youth group. The very first time that I experienced Christians. I can tell you about Caitlin and Wilson and Mackenzie and Jared and all the others. I can tell you about their acceptance of me, that dorky kid in the red shirt in the front, before they knew anything about me. I can tell you about Johnny Hinton, who spent countless hours, personal hours, sitting down with me to answer all my ridiculous questions about who Jesus was and what his disciples were and what a Pharisee it was. Can I catch that? Is that a disease? What's repentance? What's grace? And the like. I can tell you about his patience with me as he taught me how to study the Bible, how to develop a sermon, how to present it, lead singing, and pass out communion trays. I can tell you about William Satchery, who took a dorky high school student who just started believing in Jesus and began mentoring him, meeting him on the weekend to talk about life and just God in general. 
I can tell you that about William who would baptize me at 2 a.m. in a hotel pool just a few months after hearing about Jesus. I can tell you about Peter Gustus, a fellow peer in high school who was bitter at God because of his disability, but who had questions about him and so was introduced to me. I can tell you about our butchering, my butchering of my first Bible study with him as I talked to him about God. I can tell you about going hours out of my way to pick him up so that he could come to church with us and Bible studies and mission trips like this one. I can tell you about William Blanchard, who became a later mentor in my life during college and who would eventually officiate my wedding. I can tell you about Ben Langford, who took a chance on Darian and I and sent us on our first joint mission trip together. I can tell you about Rusty Tugman, who taught me the skills and the importance of leadership and ministry. And I can tell you about Tracy and Joe and Mike and Liddell, who show me what a healthy spiritual team looks like. And I can go on and on, just like you can, because this is how we work. This is how we think. This is how we live. The relationships we are in, they matter. And they make an enormous impact on our faith. See, we want to be a church that helps you focus on what's important right now. Yes, the way you are loving. Yes, what you are giving to the church and the community. Yes, the things you are saying that are giving life. All these are important and they're just on a list of things that we read about that are important. But I want to say and I want to talk about and as already has been stated, we must not lose sight of the importance that relationships have on our faith. See, we spent the past couple weeks talking about discipleship. We've been observing and reflecting how Jesus spent time with his disciples. We've answered some of the critical questions that keep us from entering into discipling relationships. And we have highlighted the importance of disciple making and what it was to Jesus. Now, I want to heighten relationships in your mind just a little bit more. Because relationships were not just something that Jesus did on the side as he was teaching and healing and saving the world. No, relationships were at the crux of everything that Jesus did. Jesus had the largest impact on this world because of the relationships he formed while he was on this earth. Don't downplay this. Relationships meant everything to Jesus. Or, said another way, discipleship meant everything to Jesus. As Tracy observed, one of the most crucial elements of discipleship is that we are linking our lives with another person. We've talked about these two O's and how these two O's, they don't necessarily look exactly alike. There are very clear differences between them, but we are still willing to link our life, to join with other people in a relationship. You see, being a disciple maker means that you will begin to look at people in your life differently. God has placed people in your life so that you can do everything that you can to influence them. Followers of Jesus means, being a follower of Jesus means that you will teach other people to follow Jesus. Well, we want to identify, as you can already see, a hundred of our members who are actively discipling, who are actively doing this, discipling somebody else. Now, there's nothing special about the number 100, despite it, or besides its uh, Vero Beach's centennial year. 
Okay, so we want every time that you see the number 100 throughout this 2019, you're going to see it on posters and magazines and newspapers and on your, your social media and on the website. You're going to see the number 100 everywhere, and we want you to be reminded of your spiritual responsibility to go and make disciples. You see, the goal, sorry, the goal of the 2019 campaign 100 is to develop disciples who are making disciples. And the Vero Beach Church of Christ will be laser focused on this mission throughout this year. And the leaders of this church, they are challenging you to be one of the 100. Be a disciple who is making disciples. Now, for some of you, this creates excitement. Others fear, and even others confusion. And I'm not going to lie to you, I feel all three in this moment right now. But as our team came together, and as we looked at the future of the Vero Beach Church of Christ, we decided we will not be a church who simply goes into cruise control so that we can get by. Now, unfortunately, too many churches are closing their doors because they're afraid of what different might bring. Not us, not our team, not this church. Instead, We want to be a body of believers who embrace God's life work for us, even as it creates excitement and fear and confusion. What about you? And maybe you still have questions. Maybe you're still afraid. Maybe you're still wondering, well, am I the right person for this? Can I really be a person who is a disciple making disciples? Can I really do this? And if you're asking yourself that, if you have those questions, I want to remind you about what Paul says to the Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 through 21, most of the verse is going to be up on here, not all of it, but at least the part I want to point out is going to be up on the board. In there it says, I pray that you would know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but the one to come. Take a close look at these words, the immeasurable greatness of his power. When was the last time somebody reminded you of that truth? It reminds me of what Paul says just a couple of chapters later in Ephesians. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or think, listen to this, according to the power at work within us. This was meant for us. And this type of faith, this isn't something you can just hear about in a sermon and gather. No, this type of faith, it requires real prayer. This type of faith requires less of a catering to mentality and more of a focus outwardly. This type of faith, it avoids shallow pleasures or familiar comforts. It dives headfirst into the deeper truths about God and his mission for the world. We are capable of so much more. And whenever I say we, I'm not talking about this church specifically. I'm talking about all Christians in all denominations all around the world. We are capable of so much more. The immeasurable greatness of his power is meant for us. Don't squander that. Don't tuck that away for another time. And if you've ever read through the 
through Acts, you get to see the kind of things that happen when we get to tap in to that power. There's a lot, of, there's a lot to unpack in the 100 campaign, and I don't want to spend the rest of our time up here answering all the questions that I'm sure you have and that you're writing down and you're curious about, but what I do want to spend the rest of our time this morning is talking about your next step, about where you go from here, because maybe you're on board. You're like, okay, yeah, making disciples. This is something I want to be about. I know it's important. I don't have all my questions answered, but I'm ready to go. What do I do? Or maybe you are afraid. You understand that this should be an important part of your life and your walk with Jesus, but you're scared of what the implications this, the implications this might mean for your life, about the changes you're going to have to make. Or maybe you're just confused. A lot has been thrown at you over the past couple weeks. You're trying to figure out where you, fit, where you fit into all of the jumble of things. Again, I can relate to all of these emotions. But here's my advice. Get connected with your life group, previously called care groups. Now, there's a reason for the updated name because we're updating what takes place within these groups. In your life group, you're going to find prayer, a space where you can be vulnerable with other people and they can be vulnerable with you, where together you can lift up people in prayer. In your life group, you will find accountability, a group of believers who expect something from each other, who push each other to grow, who hold each other accountable every week, things like held accountable like a campaign. You'll find equipping. You see, life group is a place where you, be, you are being led by a spiritual shepherd who is showing you and mentoring you on how to make disciples in today's world. You will find service. I've never known a church who loves to serve more than this one. And maybe serving is, is right lined up with your passions. If so, your life group is going to cater to that. Or maybe you struggle with serving. If so, challenge yourself. Put yourself in a space where you can serve. And then finally, studying God's word. We want to be a body of believers who are constantly and consistently letting God's word breathe life into our own. Get connected with your life group. And if you don't know which life group you are, maybe you're new and you don't know exactly where to find that, if you have a bulletin, all that information is in there. By your last name, you've been grouped with a leader and groups will meet as soon as January 30th and they'll all meet right here at the church building starting off. Get involved and plugged in with your life group. You see, in order for the 100 campaign to work, in order for us to live in line with what God has claimed, with what Jesus has commanded us to do, then we must be in sync of what being a disciple and making a disciple means for our life. And I would argue that relationships are at the crux of that. Jesus, he modeled this in our life as we have seen over the past couple weeks. The book of Acts tells us countless stories of this as we're going to see in our upcoming sermon series. And we must embrace this through our life group and through being intentional disciple makers. As we come to a conclusion, I'm going to ask everybody to open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. I'm going to start reading in verse 25 here in a moment, but as you read along with me, as I, I'm going to read these words slowly and carefully, and I want you to follow along with me, and as you read these words, 
understand that Jesus is speaking these words to you. Think about what Jesus is saying. Think about how this should affect you and everything that we've been talking about and everything that we're planning and what Jesus wants for your life. Think about all these things as you read this with me. Verse, starting in verse 25 of Luke chapter 14. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, If anybody comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down? You'll estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it. For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everybody who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, won't he send a delegation while the other is still long away and ask him for terms of peace? In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. If you chose to obey Jesus' call to follow, what might it cost you? What is holding you back from genuinely following Jesus at this point? Are you a disciple of Jesus willing to make disciples of Jesus? I'm going to go ahead and ask our youth group to stand and begin making your way to the back of the auditorium and as they're doing this, and as you leave this morning, we do have a small gift for you to remind you of this campaign, but more importantly, to remind you of your calling to go and make disciples, to remind you of Jesus's mission for you. It's a gift that you can actually wear with you. I've been wearing mine for over a month now. And as I stood in the hallways of the local high school, getting ready to step into a room of unchurched kids to talk about Jesus, I would look down to my wrist. As I would go out of my ways multiple times a week to pick up Natron so he could be here at our church, at our events, at our Bible studies, I would look down to my wrist. As on a weekly basis, I got to know the young adults in our community, or as I embrace the awkward conversations with my neighbors, I would look down to my wrist, and every single time I would think, it's worth it. It's always worth it. I want to be one of the 100. I want to be a disciple who is making disciples. And the goal of the campaign 100 is to develop and identify a hundred disciples in our church who are making disciples. And the Bureau Beach Church of Christ will be laser focused on that goal in the year 2019. The leaders are challenging you to be one of the 100. Be a disciple who is making disciples.
disciples. And if we can help you in any way with that, we invite you to come now as we stand and we sing.